Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I am your host, women's empowerment coach and motivational speaker, Megan Hall. And on this podcast, I'm going to connect you with inspirational women who will share their real stories. And we're going to chat about topics relevant to women today. I'd love to continue to support you on your life's journey. Please join us in the Inspired Women community on Facebook. Thank you for tuning in today and enjoy the show. Hey guys, I wanted to pop in before I start with Lavinia's podcast interview. Mercury was in retrograde. Technology was not our friend. I cleaned it up the best I could, but Lavinia's story is pretty powerful and I hope that you will enjoy every second of it. So please tune in, listen throughout, um, and forgive us for any crazy noises or hiccups that are happening. Hey guys, today I'm here with Lavinia. Lavinia and I met actually at one of my local meetups, which I'll, um, I will link up our group in the show notes, inspiredwomenpodcast.com because it's a really great way to get to know local people. And she came and I got to meet her and she's awesome. So she's here on the podcast today. So Lavinia is a 28 year old mother, soulmate, entrepreneur, and advocate for healthy families. She currently resides in Virginia Beach, Virginia, by way of Seattle, Washington. She owns Culture Coffee and Tea Bar, which we were just talking about. It, it opened not too long ago and it's already doing great. Uh, which has been a goal of hers since she was 18 years old. After years of self-doubt, familial divisions, and toxic environmental conditions, she is leading a happy lifestyle where she is managing positivity and cultivating healthier relationships with like-minded folks. So Lavinia, when you applied to me on the podcast, you said something about being a kid mom. What is a kid mom? A kid mom is someone who has not reached their teenage years. They are still a kid. Even as a teenage mom, I think you could still be considered a kid mom because, you know, technically you're, you know, you're still a kid or you're still um, in a, you know, a young, you're still a young, uh, under 18, you know, so. So does that mean that you had a child when you were a kid? Yes. So I had my first child when I was 12. Um, I got pregnant at 11. And it was due to a um, rape molestation situation that happened um, to me when I was on vacation with my family, visiting family. So, Well, that's amazing that you decided to keep your daughter at that age. It's a daughter, right? Yes. (laughs) Yep. And um, now, if I can be, you know, very honest, it wasn't necessarily a decision that I kept her um, because we tried the abortion route. um, And at the time in Virginia, it was illegal um, up to a certain amount of months. So we weren't able to do anything um, with that. So we drove to North Carolina. By the time we got there, they said I was too far along. So um, in the midst of my mom telling me to do handstands, that it'll make me come on my period and hold your gut in, it was, it was a lot of, it was a lot of, um, um, it was a very secretive time. I could tell you that it was, yeah, through all that, um, that's how she, you know, came to be, um, how we kept her. And um, so, yeah, that's, that's how we kept her. But I feel like now I look back, definitely was a blessing to my mom who, um, 
who who loves taking care of children, loves taking care of babies. She um, she had six kids of her own, and because she herself was adopted and um, in a home with other kids who were adopted, it gave her someone else to love because she didn't necessarily get that family dynamic growing up. So. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I was a teen mom myself. I got pregnant with my daughter at 16 and it was a really hard, even though the situation was different. I mean, when you come by a baby, not in a very, um, very positive manner, <laughs> then it's like in your situation, it's a lot different than my situation where it was just two young kids. We were stupid, ta-da, baby. And I even had that situation where I thought about you know, my options and, and what could happen because I mean, when you're that young, you're just a kid yourself. Like you're an even younger kid than I was like, you're just a baby. And for a baby to have babies, like that's just, it's so hard because then you're, you're, you're an adult before your time. Absolutely. And even though my mom definitely worked to try to give me that childhood back, I think when something like that happens to you it's hard to see yourself as a child now because um you're having to make adult decisions so none of my siblings around me were necessarily required to have to take care of this young child if my mom had to step out or if you know and they granted they would but they weren't required to but when it if if you know if, if it came if the if the responsibility had to come to me I, there was a sense of responsibility, like, hey, if she asks you, you got to do it. You know, if she needs to go to the store, she needs to step out and do something, um, or she needs to go on a date with dad, you're, that's your responsibility. You can't yell and scream and kick and fight and say, no, I can't watch that baby. Because, you know, ultimately your mother is doing a favor for you. So, and, and anyone, anyone who's willing to help you with at that, you know, during situations like that, um, they're not required to, they're literally doing you a favor. And so um, that's the, those are the emotions that I felt at a young age. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can, I can imagine. I always tell people, I don't know what it's like to be an adult and not be a mom because th that never existed for me. I've been an adult long before I was an adult. Like I was a mom before I was an adult and I don't, I'll never know what it's like to, to, to not be a mom you know, my kids will grow up and get out of the house one day, but I'll still be a mom. Like it doesn't go away. And I think that's something people don't understand when you're a child or, you know, you're a mom at such a young age that you don't ever get that chance to really just be free and just do adult things without having that extra responsibility. Like, I'm not saying I don't get to, <laughs> that we don't get to go do things, right? What I'm saying is like, even if you're out doing adult things, you saw in the back of your mind, I have this kid at home. You know, I have this little one that I have to be responsible for. Exactly. Exactly. And there, um, she lives 3,000 miles away in Washington State, but there's a sense of responsibility there still. It's like, okay, um, I have to at least check up and check in and see that she's okay. So um, right now our family is going through a bit of a rough patch um, communicatively and so I'm learning about her situation and how she's doing through a third party, you know, and it sucks that way, but still I hold a responsibility to at least know that 
she's alive, she's doing well, she's breathing, she's eating, she's going to school, you know, and, and um, if it wasn't happening that way, then I also feel the responsibility to have to intervene some way, somehow. And um, so these are tough decisions that we have to, or, you know, tough situations that we have to go through that we don't necessarily, um, there's, you know, we, we still have to learn how to deal with them as they come because they're all different. And especially now that um, she's a teenager mm-hmm. and I was, I was thankful for the fact that she got past the age of 12 and 13 like I did. Um, and she's now 16 and I'm just like, okay, one more year and then another year. And I'm like, okay, girl, reach that age of 18. And then you broke the cycle, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, it's those responsibilities that we hold on ourselves when we are young mothers, because, um, that's, that's basically, we, we always say it. We want you to be, we want our children to be better than us. And, um, that's the goal. Yeah, no, exactly. I had some people gave me flack because I put my oldest daughter on birth control when she said she was, you know, thinking, just thinking about it, not saying she did it, but just saying she was thinking about it. And I was just like, nope, we are not having babies. Like Nobody's having babies in this house. We're done. <laughs> and you know, like, cause I don't want, I don't want that cycle to continue either. My mom was a teen mom. I was a teen mom. Like, I mean, my grandmother wasn't a teen mom, but she wasn't very old when she had my uncle. Like, I want to say she was maybe 20. Like she wasn't, she wasn't super old either. So like, can we break the cycle of really young moms in this family and just be, you know, be kids and enjoy our lives. So I, and I was like, no, let's get you on birth control. Let's do this. Cause my daughter's 15. So she's only one year younger than your daughter. And it's, it's, um, it's really hard thing to go through. So you said you have one other child? Yep. I have a, um, he's now eight years old. Um, and yeah, he's, I've had him since birth, of course, and he's here full time with me, except for when he's with his dad during the summer times, but, um, definitely two totally different dynamics there Mm -hmm. between, um, who I am to him and who I am to her. So that makes it even difficult too. So, and I had him when I was 20. So how does she view you? Does she view you as mom? Does she view you as like sister? How does that dynamic work? (laughs) Funny you should ask. So, um, all right. So when I was pregnant with her, I was in seventh grade. And um, when I had her, my mom would say, tell him that, she's your oldest sister's daughter and I'm taking care of her. Okay. So now she's my niece. Mm-hmm. Then it came to a point where family started to have like, you know, out, um, extended family started to question, Hey, so who's this baby? Oh, it's my baby. I had another baby. So now she's my sister. And then that part stuck. So she, up until the age of eight, she, um, from about two years old to eight, she was my sister, my little sister. And then when I had Elon, when I was 20, that's when she became my daughter to her. But, um, now we have, she, even though she knows who I am, she's, um, she's definitely like 
my little sister feeling, but then there's that, that still that dynamic there. That's a gray area where she's like, this is my mom. She looks like she could be my sister. And, you know, so it's, it's kind of a gray area, but in her mind, I think she sees me um, as kind of a prize because I'm young and, you know, I'm, I'm youthful and, um, you know, my mom's a little more old school. So, um, it's kind of a, a little gray area. It's between like a sister and a mom, but I don't think anyone would ever understand that <laughs> unless they understood that my mom raised her, but I lived in the house with her. Yeah. It was just a secret. So now that she knows, it's like the sister she always wanted to be like, but the mother that she knows me as, she, she, but knowing I'm her mother, it's, yeah, it's a little gray. Yeah, that's got to be really hard on all all aspects, you know, for you because you're like, I am your mom, but then I kind of feel like your sister, but then I'm still your mom. Like, <laughs> and, and then, you know, for her where she's like, well, I, I grew up and she's kind of like my sister and she wasn't really a motherly figure, but I know like this is this is the person who birthed me. Like that, that has to be a really difficult um, dynamic for the two of you. Does she ever yeah. come and visit you in Virginia? Yeah. So she actually just left in December. She was here for six months. Um, we tried it out and, you know, just to, just to give her a different experience. And she did end up going back to Washington in December. So um, December 2017. So she does come to visit. My um, oldest just tried it out with living with her dad and it lasted about nine months and um, that didn't work out very well. It actually ended like very, very badly. Um, but you just, I mean, you don't know unless you try and see how it works out. But you know, when a child's used to like the, the same, you know, the same lifestyle and then they move someplace else and it's, it's different, maybe not in a bad way, but it's just different. It can be hard for them to adjust to that. It is. And for my daughter, her and my mother um, grew a very close relationship. Um, and so it was harder for her because my, my, my parenting style is a lot more structured and I have a lot more direction as my mom. She's older now. So um, there are things that she can get away with, you know, teenage things that she, she can come and get away with. And it's just, I chuck it up to my mom's lack of energy to deal with certain teenage um, tendencies now. And so there's a lot more that she gets away with. So then when she comes into a more structured setting, it's not as easy for her to adjust. So it becomes an issue for her and it becomes an issue for me big time. Yeah. Ours was the opposite. Like she went from a very structured set, you know, setting to where we had like all these rules and we had these responsibilities to like, her dad was just like, whatever. She's home alone, like all the time, uh, hours on end, you know, even on the weekends and stuff like that. We're talking about like almost a whole day she'd be alone sometimes. And I'm just like, it just didn't, it didn't work out. Cause like, she was so used to that structure. And even though she says she wanted that freedom, like that freedom was kind of scary because it's like, well, there's nobody here to make sure that I'm, <laughs> I'm doing what I'm supposed to and I'm being taken care of. Um, so when it came to your daughter, she, like you said, it did, she didn't come from 
like a very like it wasn't like a loving it wasn't a relationship it was a very um violent way of conceiving a child how have you been able to work through that since that happened to you so it took a lot of introspection because um that it didn't start with me getting pregnant with her right it's definitely more familial than that and it goes a lot back to my younger years and so um Basically, I had a very bad anger problem just throughout my childhood. I'd say from the age of maybe like five um, all the way up until maybe 23-ish. And um, yeah, like 22, 23, I had a very bad anger problem. And I burned a lot of bridges. Um, I a lot of my family, it wasn't, you know, we just didn't have good relationships, especially because, um, you push a button, I would fly off, you know, fly off. And it was just very, I had some, I had a lot of things about just me in general that I had to work on. Um, so when that happened and I had to go through that, it set me apart from my peers. So, um, there was a certain type of wisdom that I held, um, or a certain type of, I guess a certain, a more adult-like um, personality that I had over my peers, and so I had to learn to to try to to try to fit in still, and it didn't work because in the back of my mind, I I'm thinking your guys' lives are so much different than mine, mm-hmm. you know, um, and so definitely still exists to this day because I think it just was so deep, but the things that I have moved past is feeling so guilty that I kind of sulk in it and I can't progress. Um, and I can't live, live in the present and, um, achieve my goals and, um, advocate, you know, so those are all things that I had to come to terms with that I could use this as my, um, sort of my blue horn to letting everyone know that they can triumph. And that's ultimately what, what the mission that I went on. And then um, and when I first moved here to Virginia, so I moved from Seattle to here in 2013. When I first moved here, I was ready for a new love. And so one really bad situation happened um, with a very long time friend. I consider her family and something really bad happened between her and I, we'd never gotten into any confrontations, but we ended up getting into a confrontation and she says, um, you can't even own up to what you've done. And that was a pivotal point in my, in me changing um, because she was someone I completely admired. She was a girl's girl. She was a freaking writer. I mean, anything you needed, she'd do it for you. She was just a very good friend. Um, and so for me to get into a confrontation with her was, was hard. And so I went through that and then I had to learn about myself and I had to ask myself, well, what kind of woman do you want to become? Who do you want to be? And those were, and, and so I went through that pain and loneliness and hurt and, um, I started to find my own personal peace and I was meditating. I was, um, I was single. I had, you know, been married. I had got married when I was 19. We divorced when I was 22. And, um, I just had to keep going through, through the motions of who I was, who I was, wasn't going to be conducive of any other of the, any children that I had thereafter. They weren't going to get the mother that they needed to grow healthy. 
And so um, at the time, I, be, I was a single mom when I moved here, and um, I began developing a relationship with my son, a very strong relationship, um, and a very loving relationship. I, I, I made sure to pour love into him and um, for him to understand what love looked like from other people. And, um, you know, that now, now we're in the stage of trying to help him stand his ground and, you know, but still doing, doing it in a loving way. So I just took it back to childhood. And I said, well, what are all the things that I would have wanted different in childhood as far as how, how, um, how I came to how I came into adulthood. I mean, cause I kind of stormed into adulthood. Um, and so once I realized what, what a healthy household looked like and what a healthy, um, healthy version of myself looked like, I continued to just build on that and build on that. And it's, but it's, it's literally like a filter. You can never get everything out. Um, and so I'm still working on it. And um, still, um, I'm, I'm still becoming a woman. I didn't, I, I, told, I said something like this yesterday. I, I, I didn't become a woman until about three years ago. And that's because um, it just doesn't happen in the snap of a finger. It, 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 you have to build it up. Just because you're 21 or you're 18, that doesn't mean you're a woman. What it means is that um, you are now legal, right? You are legal to make your own decisions. And so um, I grew into, I had to grow into womanhood and it's still happening. I still have to dim some, you know, dim my, I, ha, I still have to put out my fire sometimes. I still have to, um, I still have to manage my relationships with people and I've become less confrontational. And so now I have to learn to set boundaries mm-hmm. and, um, and yeah, just manage my relationships. So um, yeah, that's, that's how I dealt with it. Definitely meditation helped me the most because it calmed my mind. And I noticed recently when I started to get out of practice, I started to fall into old habits. And so it's just important to build those habits back up and, you know, normalize them. But it does take, it does take a lot of practice. So it really does. And I feel like those of us who have experienced traumas in our lives of one way, shape or form, self-care is the thing that is so important because we're the kind of people that we can't really, if we don't practice it, right? Like those demons come up and they just want to take over. Like you have these, we, we build up these habits of trying to protect ourselves from the world, like these really shitty habits that like mm-hmm. don't serve us in any way. And when we don't take care of ourselves, that's what, that's what we turn to. <laughs> like, exactly. Like exactly. My, one of mine is like drinking heavily. So like if I'm not in a good place and I'm not taking care of myself, I'm, yeah, I'm getting shit faced. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of shit faced last week, I was drinking cheap wine and got drunk and it was the worst ever. <laughs> and and I was, I was a little embarrassed because I'm not like the one to the be, to be babysat when I'm drunk. And so um, it was me and two other people. And I was like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. Don't just, I'm just, I just need to let it, let it go through, you know, let's just let it pass. And it was just so embarrassing, but um, it did, it did give me a little bit of a release. It does. Yeah. It did. And it was a weekday. It was like a Wednesday. 
that happened to me last weekend i went out to dinner with a friend of mine and we had i had two margaritas and she gave me a gift card for my birthday you know to to total wine and so i went and got some sagria and man i had such a bad hangover the next day it was awful and i i I didn't even get like that shitty either it's just bad <laughs> what are some of those bad habits that you built up to try to kind of protect yourself in the world? Um, I think the anger came naturally as a bad habit. Um, like I said, I, I, I had that at like um, maybe like five or six is when I had, a, had that one. Um, another bad habit. Oh, I would get, so people would want to build with me, like build relationships with me. And I would become really flaky or I would have a lot of anxiety. Um, And I don't, I won't say that's necessarily a bad habit building, but I'll say that that was like a natural occurrence again. And it was, it just became a bad habit because I couldn't stick to anything. Um, It would make me anxious to be around people because I was insecure about my social life. Um, I would build close friendships and I would still never tell them about my daughter and about my secrets, you know, things like that. I, um, mm. There are times where, you know, in the recent years when I've come out and started talking about it, um, really good friends who I consider family, they'll be like, Vini, you never told me, like, why didn't you ever tell me this? I always thought she was your sister, you know, and, and so those were habits. I think that was a bad habit because I trust anyone to the point of feeling like they would judge me. Um, bad habits with men. I can definitely say that um, this is, this is, an, um, this is, this was very common just amongst uh, other women that I knew who had been either molested or had issues with them early on in life was I became promiscuous. I wanted the men's attention. I became a master at and that was what I was good at. Like, whereas some people become prudent and more of like withdrawn um, or they, you know, they, they tend to gravitate toward more women um, and, and try to, you know, and kind of push men away. I was very like, you know what? Men make me comfortable. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give men my attention and I'm going to stray away from women you know, um, so I didn't build healthy relationships with women. Um, they scared me a little bit. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, just those are kind of like, I think the natural bad habits that came along. I wouldn't necessarily even say that I was, cog- I was conscious of me, of me um, building those types of habits. Yeah, it actually takes time to, I took me a long time to realize that the drinking was something that a habit I had built to make myself feel comfortable in life. Um, But also like you, when I was in college, I was very promiscuous. It was my, it was my handle on it. Like I felt wanted. I felt like I, I felt accepted. I felt like it was something that I had in control of, like my sexuality and you know, uh, sleeping with guys, like it, it was, a, I mean, it was a lot. I mean, uh, it was just, it was a lot looking back. I'm just like, I, I remember like even nice guys didn't stand a chance with me because like, I didn't, I said I wanted that, but I was not putting off 
like I wanted it, right? Like if somebody came up to me, I had one guy, I remember we woke up the next day and he was like, I could see myself falling in love with you. I could be like a great dad to your daughter. I'm like, get out, get out of my house now. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, like that, no, no. You're ruining this. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, but so it was, fear of commitment, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. And I mean, cause I was molested as a child as well, um, by my uncle. So I feel like that and the volatile, um, situation that I was in with my parents who divorced when I was a teenager and they used me and my sister as a ping pong ball back and forth to, you know, we're just pawns to the two of them. I don't think consciously, but I think unconsciously that's what they were doing to try to get back at each other. And so growing up, it was not a stable environment because of these things. And I think that's why I turned, I turned to like booze and, and boys to like make myself feel better about life. Like I'm, I felt good. Like in my twenties, it was bad because like, I, I was like, you know, drunk all the time and spending all my money and like sleeping with all these guys. But I mean, (laughs) It felt good at the time. Let's just be honest about that. It was fun. <laughs> it was fun. Um, so you you mentioned earlier that you had to take ownership of some things that you had done that you struggled to take ownership. What sort of things are you talking about? Um, so I would, I would piss people off and they would leave me alone. So um, I had to take ownership of how I was treating other people. And um, there were, what else? I I became codependent on men. I can say that's a bad habit probably. Yeah. Um, And... Definitely, I can say my anger was the biggest thing. I'm telling you, it was bad. It was real bad. (laughs) Um, And I had to take responsibility. I was always the victim. That's one thing I can. And, you know, I just want to make that point that um, because I was always the victim, I thought my anger was a reaction to why everyone was wrong but me. And once I took responsibility of that, um, I was actually able to see what I could do better right? And be responsible for my, um, how I react and the way I act in certain situations. So that was one thing that I could say um, was, was pivotal in my transformation was my anger. So um, yeah. How did you work through that anger? Like what sort of things have helped you um, besides meditation? Is there anything else that you've done to help you really Anger is not a bad thing, right? I don't want people to think it's a bad thing, but it is in, when it when we can't control it, right? Like when we can't work through it, when it's taking over our lives. So it's not about being angry. It's about like when it when it's anger's in control here. Yeah, and I, I am being a bit vague when I when I do describe my anger. So um, just just to give you kind of a, a good um, gist of how deep my anger issue was. Um, I'll tell you about my ex-husband and I's relationship. So uh, I would call him bitch. I would, um, I would tell him he's inadequate. (laughs) 
I, I would just degrade him. I, would, I, would, I was very verbally abusive to him. I was also physically abusive. So, I mean, I recall a time where he was holding my five-month-old son and I threw a glass dish at his head. That's toxic. Mm-hmm. That's extremely toxic. Um, but he was just a punching bag. He was just someone who I could who I could punch on every day, or to who I could who I could look for reasons to be mad, and I could just get mad at him. But it had been my childhood of this kind of anger, this kind of toxic anger, physical abuse, a lot of um, just just toxic, just toxic, just toxicity all around. And so um, I would do that with people, even if they pushed the right button and it didn't take much. I would blow up on them in public. I would start a whole scene. I've started scenes with my mom in public where I'm telling her she should shut up or I hate you. You know, I would start a scene and it got bad. It was really bad. And um, I just, I burned a lot of bridges, not only, not even just directly all the time, but it would be people who would see me acting that way and they'd say, you know what, you're not the type of person I could see around me. And so once I began to ask myself, okay, what does it look like for me to not act this way? I started to, again, you know, I, I read, I, st- I started to read more because I was a reader. I was an avid reader when I was younger, but I started to read more. So I would read, um, I read The Secret. That was one book that I latched onto. Um, and The Secret sort of introduced me to the temperament, the temperamental side of transformation. And so I latched on to that um, concept. And I, then I just started to continue to delve into spirituality more and more. And I discovered that um, I discovered that spirituality. And I can always say that as a child, I was like the flower child. Mm-hmm. And, um, but the flower child was covered up by all of these other situations that was going on. But it was always, she was always there, Right. So my good intentions were always there, but I just had to dig myself out of the hole, out of the rut. And once I did that, um, my temperament just just started to, to, to go down and it was a lot more balanced. Now, also my work life was important as well. So now that I was a single parent, I had to learn how to deal with people a lot better. So I ended up going to school and getting a degree in communication and that actually ended up helping me to be able to, or helping me resolve situations a lot better. I used, um, because I was always kind of an open book, I started to um, kind of use it for, for, um, for the purpose of, of um, trying to uh, connect with other people and other people's stories. And so the connectiveness of, Females was also another part of my transformation. I needed to learn how to build re- good relationships, good healthy relationships with women. And um, because that was always my issue, I didn't have a good positive woman really, you know, relationships with women when I was young. So that was, that, that was the other thing I needed to build on. And so, um, yeah, those were the main things that I used to work through was basically like a lot of introspection figuring out who I wanted to be and then just working toward that. 
It can be really hard to face those demons sometimes of our past where, you know, when I first got together with my husband, the first couple of years of our marriage, uh, when I would drink heavily, I'd become very verbally abusive to him. And actually, I mean, I'm sure now if I drank enough to black out, I'd be verbally abusive to him again. There's just this part of me, this hurt person that, you know, I'm healing her slowly, you know, through therapy and, you know, working on myself and personal development. But uh, it's hard to, it's hard to take ownership of that part of, of me and say like, that was me. Like that's, that's not like somebody else. I actually did those things. I hurt these people and I've, I've done some really bad shit. Uh, and to, to be able to say, to say that and take ownership of that. Um, what has been your biggest struggle when it comes to that? Like taking ownership of that and forgiving yourself for that. Is not being the victim. Um, once I become the victim, then everyone else is wrong. Instead of seeing it as an opportunity to just grow, I would hold on to, but you did this to me. This is, this is what you did to me. And this is, this is what happened to me. And this is, the, this is who I've become because of you. So I had to take myself out of that victim mentality. Yeah. Recognize that it did exist but that I don't have to sit in this for the rest of my life. Right. I mean, I think I just actually made a Facebook live today about the victim mentality and how, and how to start overcoming that. And, and the part of thing is, is taking ownership of our part in it. You know, yeah, people do shitty things to us. Like that's, that's a fact, but I mean, where's our part in it, right? You know, what could we have done differently? And, and how can we move on? Because if we hold on to this baggage for the rest of our lives, it's just going to drag us down. Instead of if saying like, you know, what, I'm a better person now. I've done all this work and I'm going to continue to learn, grow and improve and move forward with my life. And, and that's how we become the best, uh, best selves that we can be is to be like, you know what? This, this is not me anymore. I'm not, I'm not the victim. Like things don't happen to me. They happen for me and I'm going to take ownership of this. So Lavinia, we are getting low on time. If there is some things that you wanted to leave my audience with, what would you want them to know? Ooh, okay. So when the thing I've been, so 2018 is the year that I'm striving for more authentic and a more authentic version of me. And through this authentication process, um, there was a lot of acceptance that I wanted from the world. And um, I did that through, you know, the insecure relationships that I built based on um, who they, who I wanted them to see and not who I actually was. Um, I frequented friends groups that didn't necessarily represent my values. I went into work relationships and into work environments as a person who's just going to appease everyone and that's how I'm going to get to the top and that's how I'm going to become the person I'm truly meant to be. And so through this whole, who, through, through this authentication process, I had to recognize that. And so now I'm relearning how to be authentic because my most authentic moments were when I was angry because I said what, what I wanted to say and um, most of the time I meant it. And because I spent so long speaking with anger, I didn't, I didn't know how to speak with love and speak with intentionality. 
And so if I have to leave you guys with anything, it's to learn to be authentic and speak from your heart. Um, and if there's some, some things that you have, some social ailments that you feel hold you back from that, find what those social ailments are and um, improve on them. And um, just don't be afraid to, to relearn authenticity and to recognize the moments where you are inauthentic. Because I, I held a plastic image for a long time trying to um, figure the world out and trying to figure out where I fit into it. And um, through that, I was just really unauthentic, you know? And so now, I'm, now that I'm on the path of authenticity, I feel it's important that um, every woman know that, um, or every woman, you know, even every man know that your past doesn't necessarily have to define your future. Just find what's, what's authentically you. Just find where you're going and um, what befits your journey. I think all those said, I just said the same thing, just three different ways. And, and one of those ways is going to resonate with somebody where the other parts <laughs> didn't. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> but I mean, I love that you said that because even, uh, even for me, I've struggled with authenticity at times. This year has been the year that I'm like, you know what? I just, I give zero fucks. Like I'm just literally going <laughs> to do what I want and say what I want. I mean, within reason, I can't just like go say mean shit to people all the time. That's just not right. But like, I'm not going to pretend anymore. Last year I, I ended my year in like a really bad way. Cause I had gotten myself involved with, I don't want to say bad people. They're not bad people. They were bad for me people. And I found myself trying to be somebody I wasn't just to be accepted by these people. And I was like, this isn't how I want to be. I, I want the people that I'm around and the people in my life to really accept Megan, like for Megan, like I want to spend time with those people who love me and enjoy me for who I am, you know, quirky, crazy, just me. Um, and I think it's, it, it is a journey. And I like that. I like that you shared that, that it is, it is a journey. It is. And I'm glad that you, um, allowed me to come on here and express, you know, tell my story and, um, I feel like there's so much more I would love to go into details about, but, um, you know, I know we're limited also on time, but um, it's important, more important, regardless of my story, that um, people learn where I'm at now because it's, it, it can happen. You can come out of it. And um, there's a whole lot of women, and this is, again, another thing I learned was there's a whole lot of people who you would have never known relate more to you than you think. Yeah. And I also have a book, um, a children's book. It's um, Aubrey and Daddy Have a Talk. And what, what I do in this book is, and with other manuscripts that I have, is I build these platforms for um, parents and children, young children, to have healthy conversations about sensitive topics such as um, uh, childhood sexual abuse or... Um, molestation, things like that. So that way parents can start when they're children because when we grow into be adults, that's when usually we start to um, focus in on the issues of our childhood. So we should catch it before it happens. That's the goal. And I'll have to link that up in the show notes 
inspiredwomenpodcast.com so that they can they can check it out because it's, it is important. We have these conversations with my kids a lot, you know, like, hey, if anybody ever touches you inappropriately or treats you inappropriately, you need to, you know, and they know what that means. I don't just leave it vague as inappropriate. They know like this is, this is good touch. This is bad touch. Like these are things that shouldn't happen. And I hope, I mean, I hope that one day if something happened, I hope it never happens, but say something does happen, my kids can come forward and talk to me about that because I will never forget the day that my mom confronted my sister and I about our uncle. And that was like the scariest, scariest shit ever is to have to admit that something wasn't right and something had happened. So Lavinia, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. And maybe next year we can have you back on the podcast to share even more. Uh, unfortunately, the podcast guest list is packed full this year. Not unfortunately, it's a fortunate thing. I'm very Oh sure. yeah, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I, I hope that somebody will find some value in what you shared today. And you know, that's why I love sharing women's stories is because I really want women to see that even if they've never been through what you've been through or what I've been through or somebody else has been through, that they can see we've, we've gone through it and we are in a better place now. And if there's hope, there's hope out there. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Inspired Women Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, share this out with your friends and family, and join us in the Inspired Women community on Facebook. I'll catch you next week.